Well, again, good morning to you. Uh, it's good to have you here. I'm Joel Wayne, one of the pastors, and I get to jump in and start a new series with you today entitled Jesus, A Clear View of God. You just saw it for you there on the screen. And we're going to spend the next two and a half months or so walking through just John chapters 1 through 4. And before we jump into the passage of Scripture today, what I'd like to invite you to do is you are handed this right here. It's a reading plan for the Gospel of John. Um, it's going to take you through 10 weeks, and you're going, well, I can read a lot more than that in 10 weeks. And if you do, that is wonderful news. But everybody can do this. If you're not accustomed to reading Scripture and jumping into it, we wanted to give you an opportunity for the next 10 weeks. For, for many of you, it may be the longest length of time you've ever gone through and read the Word of God every single day. So we want to give this to you and invite you to join us. It doesn't mean that all the scripture is going to match each week of the sermons or anything else. It doesn't even matter. Jump into the word of God. In fact, even when you're reading scripture prior to preaching, hearing the word of God communicated to you, it takes on a new facet in your life. So wanted to make sure that you had this. Go ahead and jump into it. Make that commitment for the next 10 weeks to read the word of God. Because here, and this is how important it is. We're jumping into the Gospel of John, and John was one of the disciples of Jesus Christ, right? And you start to recognize John is writing to unbelievers or, or to new believers. You see, what took place over 2,000 years ago, we know that Christ came into the world, and for about 30 years he was living a life, and then he began what we call his messianic ministry. And for a few years, he began to perform, he was performing those miracles, and he was healing people, and he began to communicate who he truly was. And then we know that his death came, his crucifixion, but that three days later, he rose from the dead, and he stayed for 40 days before his ascension. We find that in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, 9, and 10. And so there he goes, and we recognize that he is in ascending into heaven. But after that, we have something formed called the New Testament church. And John's even a part of that, working with people like Peter, and he's communicating, and he's preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And now, all of a sudden, we find John, this was written probably about 90 to 95, okay, um, A.D. So here he is communicating this, some say even up to 100, I think it's on the earlier spectrum of that. But here he is writing, after having all of these decades communicating and preaching the gospel and talking to people who don't believe. And he's writing this to new believers or non-believers. And he knew what they needed to hear. They, they needed to have a greater understanding. They needed to have a better picture of who Jesus was. And so here's this ministry and this writing. He's got a first-hand view. He had a first-hand view of everything that Christ did. And now he is writing this. And he's letting us have a a better comprehension of who Jesus is. And I'm praying that for you today, that even if you've claimed to know Christ since you were very, very young, that through this series we could have a greater perspective and a greater view of who he actually is. This is John, again, um, brother of James. Uh, maybe you recognize that, son of Zebedee. And he's calling this out for us, letting us know that Jesus was both fully human and also fully divine. So fully human in flesh, but also deity, God. That's part of the mystery, what we say, the mystery of the gospel. And here he is, Jesus the Word. He is 
God in flesh, an agent of creation, but he's also an expression of God. And we're going to be able to unpack that today um, because when you look at the Gospel of John, you also find a gospel that beautifully ties to the Pentateuch or the Torah, the first five books of the Old Testament, beginning with Genesis. And it does a, a wonderful job tying to that and letting us know that John, uh, he knew his Bible. I tell you what, he knew the word and he ties back to that and the themes are woven together in such a beautiful way. So can I invite you to open up to John chapter 1, John chapter 1 this morning. Um, I want to give you a moment to do that because this is really important because I want to point out four different things that we find in John chapter 1, 1 through 18, four different themes that we discover are throughout the gospel of John. And so as you walk through John and even through the reading plan, after today, hopefully you're going to go, oh yeah, Jesus is this. Oh yeah, here's another picture. Jesus is this. And it's going to happen over and over again. But let me go ahead and jump in. John chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. John chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. And this is how it reads. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him. And without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life. And the life was the light of men. Now I want to stop right there because I just told you that John ties in beautifully to Genesis and following. So um, Genesis starts out with the words in the... John starts out with the words in the... All right? And this is important for us to note because you can also take that word that we're going to get into in a moment and replace it with Jesus, meaning in the beginning was Jesus, and Jesus was with God, and Jesus was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Meaning this, in him, this is John 1 verse 4 even, in him was life. In him, that is, in the word, in Jesus Christ, the creator who was with God and was God, in him is life. In him is life. And this is the tie to even Genesis and understanding this. Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning, John starts with the in beginning. In Genesis chapter 1, it talks about how God created. And now in John chapter 1, it's talking about how God created even with uh, he, the word Jesus created. God created everything through Jesus. John chapter 1, verse 2 and 3, I just read it for us. God made life and is life. Life. God made light, and Jesus is referred to continually in the Gospel of John, especially in the first chapter, as being light, but also in places like John chapter 8, verse 12. I am the light of the world. And so Jesus is life, Jesus is the light, and Jesus' light shines in the darkness and it drives out the darkness. So, what I want you to recognize first and foremost, I told you four different things. You need to know this. Jesus is life. That's the primary thing. Jesus is life. Can you say that? And primarily, he is life. We need to know that Jesus is life physically. Please write that down. Four things. I'm only asking you to write down a few things today. Not very much at all. This will help you understand the gospel of John. Jesus is life physically, meaning another wo a word you could write right beside physically is cre as creator. Jesus is life 
as creator. He was from the beginning. Jesus is alive physically as creator. God has always been. He never um, has not been. He has made everything else. There wasn't anything before God. God is life. And he is a living person in Christ Jesus, fully human, fully divine. And this is, this is crucial for us to understand. And um, just a couple of days ago, I was reading through this over and over. It's actually early yesterday morning. I got here. I just keep reading through this. And this, it hit me differently than when I was preparing earlier for this message, even a couple of weeks ago. That Jesus is life as creator. Jesus is life physically. John, Pop, John Piper says it similar to this. That physical matter did not give rise to life. Life gave rise to physical matter. Now, he doesn't say it just like that, but that, that's the theme of reading through some of his material. I was like, oh, that's it's a good way to say it, I think. That physical life did not give rise, or, or recognizing that physical matter did not give rise to life, that life gave rise to physical matter. You see, here's, here's the kicker. Is for the atheist, everything... For, the, for those who don't believe that there is a God, okay? Atheist. Everything begins with matter and energy. It's just there. They, they say that matter and energy are the original, that that's what forms life, that for millions, if not even billions of years, there was no creator, there was no intelligence, there was no design, there was no purpose, there was no plan, and then from a lifeless and random circumstance of matter and energy, now all of a sudden there was life. But what we recognize that all of a sudden, and they would also continue on and say that all of a sudden, that boom, hey, this is what takes place. You now have a biological structure, and it's created life in all different intricacies and facets. And the likelihood of this, by the way, you need to know, and we don't speak about this in schools, um, but they have literally calculated the likelihood of something like that is as though we aim a gun at a piece of paper that is sitting beside the moon, lay it flat, and we hit square on perfectly with that sheet of paper that's beside the moon. That's the percentages, right? And you recognize, wait a second, God is creator. We know that physical matter did not give rise to life. Life, God, from the beginning, he was never created because he is the creator, gives rise to life and to all that is within it. He is God. And that's, this is so important because it's impossible to have the relationship with God that he desires for you to have if you deny the creator of his creation. You see, you have a different relationship, right? You, you have a different relationship with someone when you know that they are your creator, right? you know, my father's no longer living, but when he was, even between the two of us and my mother as well, who is still alive, we have a certain relationship because she is what? My parent. She knows me so well. She is someone who cares for me and loves me, and because I know that she is my parent, I look at her differently than if I just happened to have encountered her when I was 21 years old, and I go, oh, okay, yeah, I was traveling, 
right? Too many of us treat God not as creator. We treat him as an acquaintance that we met along the journey. When he created you in life, all things were made in him. You see, I hope you understand how that changes the relationship with you and God. That if you understand him as creator, as the giver of life, Jesus is life physically, that he's the one who made you, knit you together in your mother's womb. Automatically, there's an intimacy that comes with that. Jesus is life. Another thing that we discover here is not only that Jesus is life physically, a second thing, Jesus is life, and he's life for us spiritually. So he is, Jesus is life physically as creator, but he's also life spiritually. I want to read for you verses 6, 7, 8, and 9. John chapter 1, 6 through 9. This is what it says. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. Now, this is speaking about John the Baptist. This isn't John the author of the gospel here. This is about John the Baptist. We're going to speak more about in the next couple of weeks about John the Baptist because it goes into more detail, so I'm not going to hit that right now. But what I do want to mention is he keeps speaking about what? John's coming to prepare the way. That's really what he's communicating because of the light that is coming because God is then giving his son, Jesus Christ, to us physically. He is the light of the world. So Jesus is life spiritually. That's what it means for him to be the light in the darkness. We are going to speak about that more and more. John is speaking about the physical and the spiritual life that Jesus brings. Another example of this is John 5.40. John 5.40 says, You refuse to come to me that you may have life. Jesus is life. And God gave us the path to life in his Son Jesus Christ. Now, the way we have life, and I keep saying this word life, and I think we have, it's something that we communicate without fully understanding it. But Jesus being life is something for us to recognize. You don't have life in Jesus because of how many rules you obey. I need to make sure you hear this. Like, you're going, okay, Jesus is life. If I just, if I'm just good enough, um, let's just, we'll take. Exodus 20, we'll take the Ten Commandments, we'll go, okay, wait a second here, you already failed. You've already failed. That's not about how many rules you can keep. In fact, if you take the, uh, the books of the Bible, how many books are there in the Bible? 66, kids win. That's actually my daughter. You get anything you want later today for lunch, um, as long as I'm not with you. Um, so, so what you have here is you have 39 in the Old Testament, 27 in the New Testament, and you've got these Bibles. And if you look at these 66 books, which start with Genesis and ends with the book of Revelation. No S, Revelation. There's only one Revelation. Um, and so you look at this Genesis to Revelation, and you go, what is the theme of that? The theme of those 66 books that compile the Bible is not, if you're good enough, you're going to have life. The theme of those books is this. Redemption, renewal, grace and forgiveness, all of it for anybody who claimed Jesus Christ. You've got to get that. 
Because one of the primary reasons we don't understand that Jesus is life is because we're actually not living and stepping into the life that he has created for us. We live according to the shame and the guilt of things that we have done. Or even worse, we've given authority to others who have spoken into our lives. And we live according to the life that they have told of us and spoken into us. Rather than the life of freedom that God has already ordained through his son, Jesus Christ. Which is a life of grace, hope, and freedom. And so are you living according to shame? Or are you living in life? Right? One of the passages that help us to understand this... Um, and you can just scribble it down if you want to. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 through 5. Ephesians chapter 2, 1 through 5. This speaks about who we were, knowing, okay, remember, John was writing to non-believers, or at least new believers. And so all of a sudden what's taking place here is it's talking about those prior to coming to know Jesus Christ. And it says prior to knowing Jesus Christ, it says you were dead in your sin and trespasses. If you were dead, that means you had no life. It says, you are dead in your sin and your trespasses in which you once walked. And it continues on. It's talking about how you're following in the pattern, the course of the world that you are giving in to your fleshly desire and your fleshly passions. You are living a life of disobedience. But then it tells us in verse 4 and following, it says, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even though we were dead in our trespasses, we are now made alive together with Christ. We are given life because of Christ. By grace, you have been saved. And too often, the reason we don't understand Jesus is life. Listen, if you, if you hear the words Jesus is life and freedom and you go, oh, captivity, you're not living according to the life that he's promised. You're living according to shame, guilt, and hatred, and all types of other things. There's a freedom that comes with knowing Jesus Christ. Jesus is life physically as creator, but Jesus is also life spiritually. He is the light of the world. John 1, 4, I just want to remind you, in him was life in him was life so do you know him do you know Jesus spiritually because embracing Jesus embracing Jesus to scribble that in right here embracing Jesus means receiving life if you embrace Jesus as creator and if you embrace him spiritually it means you are embracing life that he desires of you Right? Too many of us are living according to what others expect rather than living according to who God desires. Do you know Jesus as life? Because worshiping God means you worship Jesus. And so now we rest in him. So we know Jesus' life physically as creator. We also know Jesus' life spiritually. But then furthermore, we know Jesus' life, and please write this one in, third one, eternally. Jesus is life eternally, forever and ever. We see this. In fact, if I read here in the following John chapter 1, I'll start with verse 9 and 10, but then I'm going to jump into 11 and 13. You'll be able to see that. It says, The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. 
He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. Listen to that. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, who gave the right to become, he gave the right to become children of God. That's why our identity is in him. He gave the right to become children of God. Who were born, not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but they were born of God. Jesus is life. He is creator. Jesus is life spiritually. Jesus is also life eternally to all who receive him, who believe in his name, and who then call upon his name. Jesus is life eternally. In fact, a couple of other passages I'd like to share with you. Uh, first one would be 1 John chapter 5, verse 11 and 12. 1 John 5, 11 and 12, and a great passage to go and to read later on this week. It says, God gave us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Jesus is life. Whoever has the Son, this, 1 John 5, 11 and 12, a remarkable passage. Whoever has his, the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. In him was life. So if you have him, you have life. Another way of saying it is if you reject Jesus, if you reject Jesus, you are rejecting life. You're choosing captivity to sin. You're choosing captivity to self. So Jesus is life physically as creator. Jesus is life spiritually. Jesus is life eternally for all of those who come before him and receive him, believe in his name, because he gives us the right to become children of God. And then lastly, Jesus is life abundantly. So physically as creator, spiritually, eternally, but also abundantly. It reminds me um, of John 10.10. 10. John 10.10 is a wonderful passage that says that I've come that you may have life and have it abundantly. Or another translation would say that I've come that you may have life and have it to the full. Another passage I would put along with that one would be Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20. Ephesians 3.20 calls us out as well, talking about the abundance of more than we could ever ask or imagine and the life that he has designed for us. But again, too often we don't think of Jesus as being life abundantly. We think of Jesus being life, and that means we have to obey rules, and that means we don't get to do anything. That's, you don't have a full understanding of who God is. If you see his rules as restriction, his rules is what gives us freedom. And so Jesus is life abundantly. I want to read this for you, verse 14 through 18. It says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory is the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And then paraphrasing it says that John bore witness about him, cries this out about him. And verse 16 it says, for from his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. 
from his fullness, from his enormity, from who he is, because Jesus is creator, Jesus is life, Jesus is abundance, we now have received grace upon grace. That's more than you can measure, more than you can hold. I wish we could fully comprehend that when we say Jesus is life, one of the things that we're trying to communicate is this. You can't hold all of him. He's too big. I remember my kids growing up, and I just, you know, you ever, as a parent, if you ever had like a two or three-year-old and they got sick, in a way you liked it because they would just lay on you. You know what I'm talking about as a parent? Like, you didn't want your kid to be sick. Hear me say that. I'll get letters. I'm not saying that. Um, you don't want them, but it's just so, it's like, oh, this is amazing. And now my kids are a lot older. One of them is bigger than I am. Um, and they don't feel very well. And they're like, hey, you need to hold me. And you, know, you can't pick them up. You know, you can't hold. They're too big. And when we're new in our faith of discovering that Jesus is alive, sometimes we think we can hold enough of it. But then as we start to grow, when you start to really understand how big God actually is, you can't hold the enormity of God. You can't. He is too big and too great, and the abundance of grace upon grace that he has for your life is miraculous, and it is beautiful. But yet instead, we live according to the sin and the shame and the guilt that so often we have. And sometimes we're the ones causing our friends and our loved ones to live in that shame because we keep reminding them, yeah, but you remember when? Well, yeah, but I mean, you haven't always been like this. And we're actually reminding people to live in shame and guilt rather than helping them to live in the freedom that is in the name of Jesus Christ, the life that is abundant for us. And so all of a sudden when we start to recognize this fullness that we have all received just grace upon grace, more and more, heaping upon us and living and landing in our lives, we recognize that not only are we here to learn about God, but we are here to be formed by God. It's when our knowledge and our education of God translates into transformation so that we can know him better. Jesus is life. And you're going to see these themes as you walk through the Gospel of John, you're going to see more and more how Jesus is life and he is creator. That he is eternal, that he is giving you a spiritual life. Because it, it, when you recognize that he gives you a spiritual life, it causes you to view everything in a temporary world differently. And that he has a life for you that is more abundant than you could ever know. You're going to see these themes woven throughout. But there's a passage, a verse that I looked over for a reason. Because I want to conclude with this today. If you still have the Word of God open, if you have it in front of you, at least write it down on your page really big to go back and read it over and over again. It's John chapter 1, verse 5. When we recognize, when we recognize that Jesus is creator, that he is life, that Jesus is life eternally and spiritually and abundantly. When we recognize this, we know that it's because of John chapter 1, verse 5. It says, the light shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not overcome it. 
We know that we live in a sinful, broken, hurting, despicable world, and it is dark. And yet, though the Creator, while He allows for sin, the Creator is living in this life, and He is the light of the world. And we recognize that the light shines in the darkness. The darkness has not overcome it. The darkness has not, will not, and cannot overtake the light of Jesus. Some of you just need to take that in. No matter what's happened, no matter what you've said, no matter what you've done, the darkness cannot, will not overcome the light of Jesus. It's not possible. And so you need to declare that. You need to live in that. Here's another way of thinking about it. Your sin, no matter what you've done, your sin cannot, cannot overshadow the cross. You can't out the power of the cross. So if you have friends and if you have family that keep reminding you of your sin, you need to look at them and say, you know what, I've made mistakes, but my mistakes have been made right in the name of Jesus Christ. I have forgiveness and grace upon grace that's just pouring over the top of me. I can't hold all of it because my sin can't outdo the power of the cross because the power of the cross is eternal life. Right? That changes the way you walk. It changes the way you speak. So when you hear the words, Jesus is life, I want you to hear Jesus is forgiveness. God forgives you if you come to him and repent. When you hear Jesus is life, I want you to hear not only Jesus is forgiveness, but Jesus is grace upon grace. I want you to just imagine a Boeing 777 or whatever they are just backing up behind you and it just starts falling from the sky and just dumping on top of you. Just the love and the mercy and the grace of Jesus Christ. He is that great. And the darkness shall not, will not, cannot overcome the light of Jesus Christ. And it's a different... Yes! why I, I don't have it. I can't walk around all mopey. <laughs> right? You know those people seven drawers? I can't, I can't walk around all mopey and it doesn't mean life doesn't get hard. But I am all, always reminded at the grace that has been lavished upon me. I got Jesus. I have life eternal. I have life because of the Creator. I have life in abundance because Jesus is life. And I pray that you will step in and learn more about that Jesus so that you know the life that He has to give. God, I come before you and I pray that each of my friends in this place today will know you in abundance. You gave us such a perfect word. Even when John is writing all this perfectly tied in to your creation and who you are. You are Jesus. You are life. You are fullness. You are grace. And you are mercy. May we breathe in you, God.
Thank you for your goodness. In Christ's name, amen. Let's sing and worship together.